0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and hi to been listening to us. Thank you for making the sports and the World Podcast a part of your day. I'm Lidarius. And I'm Chris. And I hope all of you are well and safe out there, and how are you, my man?
1: A little chilly, man. Back up north and freezing my ass off.
0: You know, it, it, it's been chilly. I was talking to somebody uh, the other day about, you know, how cold it was, like, for Florida standards and and i'm like if you know if i you know if this weather's like this for you know at least a week i could take it you know i'll sacrifice for the good of the state i'll do it but as much as as appealing as up north is listen i i'm good i, I i'm good no disrespect to those up north in the winter. I'll no, listen,
1: i'll tell you there's nothing appealing up here it's expensive to live it's miserable and it's cold and it's filled and, with idiots
0: and that's your Travelocity spokesman.
1: There you go. That,
0: that's your real estate talk. So if you want some property up north, call my guy. Yeah, so, I got you. so speaking of, we'll stay up north in that area and talk about, you know, talk about the divisional rounds. And we'll start with with Buffalo. One of the things, Chris, I, I've we talked about ad nauseum about was Josh Allen and the development, and. The way they played over the weekend, you know, and we'll get into we'll get into it a little bit about, you know, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. But I was thoroughly impressed because it felt like they played a very complete game. So we'll start there and we'll, you know, work around the horn. So let's get your thoughts, Chris, on, you know, uh, the Ravens, Bills games and the other divisional games.
1: So the Ravens and Bills. This this was one that I actually got a little bit of a chuckle out of because I think this is one of the ones that you and I severely disagreed on. If if, if memory, well,
0: stif- if, if, that that's a subtle. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. What I will say was, I I over I underestimated how good Buffalo's front seven was and overestimated the run game of the of the uh, of the Ravens back to you in the I'll, studio I'll
1: I'll I'll, t- I'll take that um, you know I uh, I went in with higher hopes for for Baltimore to to put on a, a better game but I I think I even made the comparison of is Lamar Jackson the NFL version of A-Rod and that he'll win you a bunch of games during the regular season. He'll get an MVP in the regular season and he'll set and break and do all kinds of records in the regular season. And when it comes to the important games, now you got to win the games in order to get to the playoffs. We, We, I think everyone in any sport agrees on that, but I think there's an extra sense of pressure and presence when you get to the playoffs and some people don't perform and I don't know if Lamar Jackson's there, to be honest with you. I, I don't know if if he's if he's capable of uh, you know. Will he be the guy that will get you to the playoffs? And then you might have to to rely on on a on a, a completely different situation. I mean, you know, neither quarterback threw for a ton of yards. You know, Josh Allen only threw for two hundred and six with a TD. Uh, you know. And I think uh, Lamar threw for, I think, 162 yards, and but he had an interception. And I, th- I think that's something that we can all agree on. We have to, you, you got to, interceptions are just bad news bears. I, I think we can all, all agree on that. You got to put more touchdowns than, than picks up. And it, not only, like you said, was uh, Buffalo's front seven stellar, but it's just the cerebral capability. And I think we've talked about this more than, than we haven't about just the intelligence level of quarterbacks. And, and you, you don't have to be the most physically fit quarterback in the NFL, but if you're smart, you'll survive. And I think Josh Allen is smart and then he survives. And I think also with, you know, them getting Stephon Diggs, I think was the biggest blessing in the skies and, uh, and, and we highlighted, I think, when the season started, and we were talking about our draft and how I, you know, a lot of people criticized me for going after Diggs so early, and I said just sit back and watch. And and he definitely, I would say, at least a top ten wideout, if not a top five, for yards and receptions and so on and so forth. And that chemistry that that Allen has built with Diggs, I think, has been beneficial. And then Buffalo's defense isn't a slouch program either when you have such a, a, a weaponized offense that, that Baltimore has, to hold them to three points in a playoff game, that speaks some volume right there. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was an interesting game to watch. The one thing I will say is that Lamar Jackson is definitely a class act individual. The fact that he would actually stand and take pictures with fans of uh, from the other team in a visiting stadium I, uh, I, I thought that was pretty cool of him to do. So, I mean, definitely shout-out to him on that. You know, hopefully this offseason he can work on on some fundamentals and and hopefully develop some more. you got to remember, he's only a couple years into the league. Not that Josh Allen is the, the village elder, but I think Lamar will still see some great things coming from him. Um, you know, hopefully something can change when it comes to the playoffs. You know, but also, you know, the thing with uh, – with football is it's not necessarily just a quarterback sport. It's a team sport. You as a defense, I mean, they did their job, I guess, to a point. They did hold Buffalo to only 17. But the problem being is that that's still more points than what your offense is putting out. So offense has to step up. Maybe they need to make some moves in the offseason, get a better rushing core, maybe get some extra people for Lamar to throw the ball at. So he's just not running 24-7. So uh, hopefully they'll figure it out. But all in all, I thought that was a I thought that was a pretty good game.
0: And you know, Chris, and uh, you brought up a good point about you know Lamar Jackson make a very classy class act at the end of that game because he didn't have to do it first and foremost. Absolutely not. He did have to. There was no obligation. You know, that's the type of guy. And we talk about character. We talk about we don't talk about character enough. But high character guy. He didn't have to do it. He just lost, you know, he just, he just lost on the road and he could have went in the tunnel and, but he stayed after. And I think let's, I give him kudos as well, but, but it's funny you talk about Lamar Jackson from the passing standpoint, because I wrote in this week's article for the podcast, I talked about ways that Lamar can be a better passer and Chris, I, it's not solely on Lamar Jackson. Let's be clear. You know, I'll you know, one thing that I did say, Chris, is that the Ravens do have to get a number one receiver because as much as I, you know, I like Marquise Brown, you know, they got Devin Duvernay. They got Willie Sneed, you know, none of those guys, Chris, are either number ones or not ready to be number ones, you know, and what I talked about is that guys like Kenny Galladay's out there that's potentially available, and Allen Robinson's potentially available. And they're within the price tag of the Ravens because the Ravens let go of Mark Ingram and RG3. So there's cap space, and they have cap flexibility. So they can go and assign a number one guy because really he doesn't have that go-to guy you know, to, to get the rock to, like Josh Allen, like you mentioned with Stephon Diggs. He can also give it to, like, Cole Beasley. He has at least three guys that, you know, Josh Allen has his, like, legit weapons. And and, uh, and to kind of hit on the Lamar Jackson point before we go to the next game is, is that, like you said, Chris, he's still developing. Because when he was in Louisville, and this is what I say is important about collegiate quarterbacks, this was my biggest point, and I took, I don't say I took a lot of flack. But I think you and I agree, Chris. We both like Tim Tebow a great deal. I think we we respect Tim Tebow a great deal. But what was Tim Tebow not great at in Florida? He was never asked, Chris, to really throw the ball. He wasn't. He wasn't really asked to sling it, because you know the offense at Florida was was a different, very.
1: It was it was set up around him.
0: Exactly. It was kind of built around him. He was the foundational piece, so he wasn't really asked to do much. And so when he went to the NFL, I said, he's got to work on accuracy. He's got to work on, you know, you know, basically, essentially, you know, being a quarterback. And I think Lamar Jackson was kind of the same way at Louisville, where he was just asked to be Lamar Jackson. It's like this, Chris. To use a musical thing, you know, one of the things, and I, and I don't want to get knocked for, is that I always say there's a difference between Beyonce and Adele. Beyonce can perform like nobody's business. She's one of the best performers, you know, not of just this generation, but period. And but when you when you put her in the vocals, you could argue. I'm not one of those people. I read a lot of things for the record that maybe the vocality is not there. But when you go to Adele, you're expecting to hear great singing. You're not. Uh, you're not. You're not. You're not going to see Adele out there, you know, swinging. You know, you're not going to see the performance aspect.
1: Yeah, she's she's putting on a musical performance, not a show.
0: Exactly, and and, and you see the point I'm making. Is is that you, it's you know the, in college, both Tebow and Jackson were just asked to be themselves. Were just to be gifted. They were not asked to be pocket guys. They were not asked to sit there and throw the ball 40 or 45 times. That's not who they were. That's not their fault. But when you get to the next level, just like in, just like when you're a singer, you have to take that next level because if you don't, you're going to be stuck in the middle between, between being very good and kind of average. You're going to be in that middle where eh, the talent's kind of in the middle. And that's where kind of Lamar Jackson is. I don't think he's a great talent. But as a passer, he's not an elite passer. He's not an elite quarterback. And I want people to understand the difference is that I think the world of him. You think the world of him. But the fact of the matter is, Chris, that he has to be in a league that's slinging the ball around. He can't do that. And he has to get better in the offseason. That's one of the things that you have to give him a receiver because he can't keep throwing, you know, throwing the guys that you have to look down your roster chart to figure out who they are or you know, they're not number one guys. So, so we know, Buffalo's going on, you know, to the AFC Championship game. And the other team, you know, know, is the Chiefs. But I will say that, Chris, I will be the – and it may shock people. I give a lot of credit to the Cleveland Browns for the way they played. Ooh, doggy. You know, (laughs) I give a lot of credit because they went out there and they competed. I think I said on last week's show, Chris, they had nothing to lose. Like, they were, they were in this game. They were, you know, nine and a half, ten-point dogs on the road. They had nothing to lose, Chris. It's essentially they were kind of playing with house money. You're facing the defending Super Bowl champs on the road. They were playing with house money. But the way they competed, Chris, I was very impressed. And now, will I go as far to say that is Baker a franchise quarterback? We'll see, because he got better when he needed to get better. That's what good quarterbacks do. But, you know, even though he stung up the first half of the season, he got better when he needed to because he benefited from the run game and play action, in my opinion. So, but you look on the other side, the Chiefs, and, you know, we saw what happened with Patrick Mahomes in the third quarter of that game. And we saw Chad Henney, who before that, Chris, he never threw a pass in the playoffs. Thirteen years in the league, never threw a pass in the playoffs, which, which astonishes me. But when I saw the teams he played for, I'm like, I saw Jacksonville. I'm like, okay, that's enough said right there.
1: Yeah, Jacksonville, Miami, New I mean, England.
0: Right. Yeah, <laughs> you start rattling teams off, you go, okay, that makes sense. But Blake Bortles has more passes than Chad Henne. That's something to think about. But, but back to my point is. The Chiefs didn't look like the Chiefs without Patrick Mahomes. Let's be clear. When you talk about guys who changed the game, quarterbacks, like to me, we, Mahomes goes out. This is not the same offense. They had the talent, but no Patrick Mahomes, Chad Henney, you know, good dude, but you know, they did what they had to do to win and made the play at the end of the game. You know, you know, with the lights that'll, you know, roll out and and throw the hill. To you know, to run out the game, but Buffalo, I guarantee, you, is playing for both Henny and Mahomes, because you don't know who's gonna start, and you don't know if Mahomes is gonna finish the game, because if when I saw that game, Chris, and I saw this man couldn't stand on his own, Chris, that's concerning, and and thank goodness we have the technology and the emphasis on neuroscience. To protect these players because back in the old days, if you I remember reading stories about how Bill Belichick would send dudes out there and practice with concussions. Knowingly, knowingly concussed players were going out there and playing. And there's long-term effects. And you know, I won't go down that rabbit hole. But the point is, Chris, is that when you look at a potential Bills and Chiefs matchup, to me, Chris, this really hinges on if Patrick Mahomes can play, and more importantly, how much will he play if he does play? So, but but let's, you know, like usher us a it and rewind it back a little. Like, give us your thoughts on that Browns-Chiefs game.
1: You know, I, it, uh, I, I think I even said that it was a situation where I I said I think Kansas will win, but don't count Cleveland out. And I, I, I think I hit the nail on the head with that. Um both teams were just ravaged uh, with, with with injury on both sides of the ball. I think it became more and more uh, prevalent in the you know late third and fourth quarter because you had some some heavy defensive players for Cle- uh, for Cleveland on the sideline, and then you had um, you know Patrick Mahomes on the sideline wondering what dimension he was in, and um, you know hopefully he gets a speedy recovery. And like I said, we'll we'll really see this week what's gonna go down uh in that AFC game. Um all in all, you know, uh I think Cleveland can only get better. I think that the steel curtain I, I, I think we're looking in, in nineteen ninety-one Eastern Europe, and instead of the iron curtain, it's the steel curtain, and it's fallen. And I I think that having pittsburgh be that elite division winning program i think might be out the door and i think it is is crazy but considering the year that we've had i guess nothing's really too crazy at this point that cleveland might they they might be that team in in that division they might be the divisional winner they might be that team that we i i i think if they make the right moves in the offseason i think if they get themselves a modest wide receiver to pair up with Jarvis Landry and uh and and Odell Beckham. It and, and and he has options with Hooper at tight end and then Joku. And he's got I would say arguably I think the best backfield duo between Hunt and and Chubb. I mean I don't think you can ask for a better one two combo than that. Uh, you know, and their defense isn't isn't a slouch defense and uh you know i i don't expect anywhere but up for for cleveland next season and then with kansas uh next week play if if they go to buffalo or excuse me a buffalo comes to them and they put mahomes in and he's not 100 percent. buffalo is going to exploit that now granted when you got the lead and it's late in the fourth quarter and you're tired and you have a a uh, an elderly bat. I don't even want to use the term elderly because these dudes are in their thirties, but you have an, an aged, an aged quarterback where like a, like a Henny where, you know, he's been in the league for, you know, X amount of years. He really hasn't done a, a whole ton, but you know, there, there's still opportunity there. He's going to go out and give it all 110%. I'm definitely not going to doubt it, but is his hundred and ten percent different than than Patrick Mahomes hundred and ten percent? Now, granted, they've got uh, arguably the other mastermind of the NFL uh, as as a head coach with Andy Reid. You know, comparing to Bill Belichick, I think both of them are very highly intelligent. It's it's almost like the Borg if you're a Trek fan. Like they just adapt, they they assimilate everything that comes in contact with them, and they have a plan for everything. And I think that was showing. Uh, you know, they could have easily just ran the ball up the middle, hoped they got that first down, but they stalled the play to just to hit this little boot outside to to Hill to secure the game when no one thought that was going to be the thing. It's it's one of those things you have that one play that you know your quarterback can make no matter what, and that was one of Henny's Henny's deals right there. Um, if I and unless if there's drastic health improvement for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I see Buffalo just walking right past them. They've got too many offensive weapons. They've got a healthy defense. Granted, Kansas City's got one of the best defenses in the NFL as well. But without Patrick Mahomes there as the spark to ignite the fire team wide, I don't know how well they're going to perform. And if you start getting a a defense that spends a whole lot of time on the field battling Buffalo's offense— and you have a Kansas City offense going against a Buffalo defense that's that's getting picked apart. And your stars, your your Tyree kills, your your Travis Kelseys, your Le'Veon Bell's aren't getting the ball properly. It's going to turn into a long, drawn out day. But we'll see what happens. Hopefully, you know Mahomes comes back healthy. I hate seeing guys go down like that, but uh, I I think this one, I think Buffalo is going to have the uh, the the upper hand on it.
0: And, you know, you know, Chris, I, I don't disagree with, you know, with much what you said, but what I will say is this, is that when you look at the current line right now is, you know, Chiefs are favored by three, which, you know, when you're on, when you're at the home team usually gets a little bit of a, you know, that bump and that's what you're kind of seeing here. But if Mahomes, if we, if we find out, you know, after, you know, later on that, listen, Mahomes can't play. I expect this line to shift maybe a point, maybe even two points, because I think Mahomes' health shifts the way this game goes. Now, the only thing that I've and it also shifts the over-under, which is 53.5 points. That shifts as well. But what I will say is, is this, Chris. It's that for Buffalo. We talk about the game itself. You know, Buffalo, this is their first AFC championship game since 1993, and do you know the team that they beat in that 93 championship game? Uh, Kansas City? Yeah, yeah, they beat Kansas City. They're 14. <laughs> yeah, and, and they beat Kansas City. So, and then as for Kansas City, they're the first team in NFL history to host three straight AFC championship games. So, I expect this is going to boil down to what kind of game plan... Will Andy Reid have if Chad Henney is the starter? And we're kind of, I think you and I are kind of working along that same premise. You know, I don't want to take words out of your mouth, but I think we're kind of working along the lines that Chad Henney might be the starter if Mahomes, you know, if he can't get through concussion protocol by, you know, by, you know, essentially by, you know, the weekend, Prefer, you know, by today, you know, by Friday, essentially. So we're we'll working on the premise of Chad Henney being the starter. I don't necessarily think, Chris, that knocks Kansas City off the pedestal. I don't think that. But I do think that it kind of opens the opportunity to for for Buffalo to kind of, you know, play their game. But for Kansas City, it's going to be the defense. Because somehow or another, this Kansas City defense has to find answers to stop... You know, can they stop Stephon Diggs? Can they stop you know, even their running game? Can they contain Josh Allen? Like I said, it's on the Kansas City coaching staff to kind of figure out if you, can't, if you don't have Patrick Mahomes, you have to take the talent that you have and make it work. It's just like if you don't have a, the right ingredients for a cake. Chris, you just got to make it work. Like, so if you don't have that Patrick Mahomes, that kind of icing, you, you know, the, the Chad Henney icing may be a little bitter, you may not want to you know you know eat the whole cake, but you gotta make it look good if you wanna beat the Buffalo Bills. And because this Buffalo Bills team is strong enough, defensively I do have, you know, questions, even though their performance against, you know, Baltimore, but I expect this game, you know, if you gave me a choice today, Chris, <sighs> you know, today I'll go with Buffalo. I I feel confident enough to say Buffalo because Buffalo just feels like they're on a mission that, listen, they want to give this city a championship that they deserve. If you could think of a fan base, yeah, sure, they'll jump through tables and jump off of cars in freezing weather, sure. Like, listen, you know, okay. You know, you're going to have something to do up north. Okay, I'm not going to knock the fan base for that. But they deserve it because of all the years that they've been right there this is probably the team that could break that ceiling and get there. So, uh, I, I expect I expect Buffalo to compete. I, if Patrick, Let's be clear. If Patrick Mahomes is not 100%, he's not playing. Because some things are just, to me, Chris, this is long-term. When it's a concussion, this is long-term. This is not like, you know, he kind of hurt his leg. No, this is his brain. So, so I I so I tell that the Chiefs fans like listen you can rush back Mahomes back but listen he's gonna be your core for the next ten to fifteen years so let's you know if he's not healthy you might better
1: set this one out and think about you know the the long
0: term instead of exactly. the short term absolutely and that's and that goes in with any business if if I know Patrick Mahomes is my main asset and if if I look at my asset Chris and it's like I. You don't take chances. Like Patrick Mahomes is still young enough. You're gonna win. You're gonna win. Probably at least another two, three Super Bowls anyway. Like, so this is long term. Trust Chad Henney. Trust the system. Because Andy Reid is any listen. Andy Reid has proven he can win with any other quarterback. That Nick Foles guy. He was <laughs> winning with Nick. Like that <laughs> Nick Foles guy. That whole thing started with Andy Reid. When Andy Reid was in Philly. Okay. So, I'm not saying that Channing is the next, you know, Nick Foles. But I want to say for the record, I told you so that Nick Foles cannot be a starting quarterback. I tell people like, listen, it's like the Macarena. What was what was the second song they had? Oh, that's right, they didn't have a second song. Oh, that—that's my point. Listen, I like listen. I like the Macarena. Listen, you know, listen. <sighs> I will, you know, if we are on camera, I'd show you. But you know, for the sake of the viewers' eyes, we're not going to do that. That's why we do the 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 vocal aspect. So, so on on that being said, I expect Buffalo to win. I expect it to be close, but I expect Buffalo to win. So now, shifting gears, going from Arrowhead, we're going to head up, you know, up north, not too not too far from you. It's up north. We're going to head to the frozen tundra, where the Packers did what we all expected them to do. Like, even though, like, Aaron Donald wasn't was 100% healthy, and I immediately said, okay, the Packers are just going to run away with this game, and they did. So, so you know, with that being said, Chris, do you have any thoughts on this, uh, the Rams-Packers, the divisional round game?
1: You know, I th- I think you said it. You, we we kind of knew where this was going to go. Um, the Chargers... They're a great young team. You know, they got Cam Akers back there doing work finally. But it's it's Green Bay, man. Uh Green Bay in Lambo. That's that's a hard place to win to begin with. Uh and you know, I, I know that I bagged on Green Bay and I th- and I I am guilty as charged. I was like, I, I don't think they're gonna do it this year. And here they are, just you know, that putting an encore performance on, you know, Lazard was out there making moves. Uh, Aaron Jones, and of course, Rodgers is out there. You know, he he gunslinged two touchdowns. Um, you know, the biggest thing I think that Green Bay does, and and again, we circle back to the intelligence level of the quarterback. Aaron Rodgers can read just about any defense, and he doesn't read the defense. He reads the damn sideline. He'll 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 get those short fire snaps. When they got twelve men on the field, or the, they're bagging with an offsides or a, a, a neutral zone infraction of some sort, he it, he it, it's the equivalent to dirty boxing, and you you get you know people like oh that's that's you know it's not the proper way to do it you know in the words of Vin Diesel winning is winning, you know uh, and and Rogers just he he plays he plays the field not. Not the other team. he He's just I mean, he's playing the entire situation. and it it shows. I mean, you know, once again, he just stood up and 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 just walked away with this game., uh, just like I think we we knew the inevitable would happen. But um same situation with, uh, you know with 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 the Rams. in time, I think they'll be that team. I just don't think yet. They've got a good coaching staff. They're young. They're ambitious. They're hungry. Naturally, I think this season injury was a, a major factor with Cam Akers going down. Um, and then, you know, Green Bay is just one of those teams to beat, and 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 I think we're going to see one hell of a showdown with uh, with Rodgers and Brady this uh, this this week upcoming weekend. And uh, I'm I'm really 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 looking forward to that game. Yeah, I I think between the two of them, um, but you know it's it's Aaron it's it's Aaron Rodgers, man. What you uh you know what you do? You know that's 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 one of the it's one of the hard battles to fight. So I'm curious to see what'll happen.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, one of the things is, and for the record, I want to be the person to say this that I was high on Green Bay before the season started. So I think you remember. least I was high on Green Bay for a reason. Because I felt that, like the Blues Brothers, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers was on a mission from God, but he was on a mission. He was on a mission to prove Chris to guys, maybe like you, and the probably guys in the media, you know, the men and women in the media who said that he's over the hill, you know, you know Jordan Love, he's gonna take his job, you know, they're gonna. And I said to myself, I'm gonna do what Aaron Rodgers does. He just told people to R E L A X. These be people to relax. Aaron Rodgers is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL history. And with understanding the differences is that we talked about Lamar Jackson earlier. Aaron Rodgers can now, he can sling the ball still. And this man's 37. And he's still throwing the ball like he threw the ball in his early 30s, in the prime of his career. One of the things about Green Bay is that, let's be clear, Green Bay has always revolved around Aaron Rodgers, not the other way around. It's it's that Aaron Rodgers had to kind of work with what he had in a way like Brady did in New England. And for the most part, you know, to a very successful rate. You know, Rodgers has a running back now. He has Aaron Jones. He's got a number one receiver in Devontae Adams. Robert Tunyon, you know, dudes that you never heard of, you know, making big plays. You know, Alan Lazard, Vontaze Scanlon. He's making it work, Chris. He's making it work. And one of the things that I always appreciate about Aaron Rodgers is, is simply when he's at home, historically, when the Green Bay Packers are at home, they're 18-5 and five in the playoffs. Where has Aaron Rodgers been playing in the playoffs? He's been on the road, Chris. He's been terrible on the road. He's been terrible. So it, this is his, his first game at home, hosting an NFC Championship game, and and I, I expect a duel, and you know I expect a very good matchup. And as and as for the uh, as for the Rams go, Chris, you know I'm not one to doubt Jared Goff. They paid Jared Goff, but what we have to understand is. This team is still they, they had cap situations. Can remember, they, they loaded this team to get to the super bowl and they did, and they got embarrassed when they when they faced when they faced Brady in the Super Bowl. So they had to kind of rebuild. They kind of had to trade away pieces. They've kind of had to build subtly. And the pieces are there. You know, they got Cam Akers as a steal in the second round. So you you know, to replace Gurley. So you got pieces there. You still got Aaron Donald, who's gonna be your defensive player of the year. You got you got Jalen Ramsey. So you're gonna be fine long term there. But the question is, Jared Goff. Is, is that is Jared Goff the future? And I know people are gonna say, Oh, but there's he went to the Super Bowl. Well, you know who else went to the Super Bowl? Yeah, Joe Flacco. Okay, so well, he won it. Did he really win it? Okay, it wasn't kinda of like weekend at Bernie's where, you know, he got propped up, you know, by the defense and great coaching. And it made <laughs> Joe Flacco look good. Say, so, hey, where's Joe Flacco? He's getting propped up by a defense and coaching. Jared Goff has been propped up by good coaching and a defense. People are going to say that's, you know, out of, you know, out of line, but it's facts. And the fact of the matter is, is that if is Jared Goff the answer, because Chris listed, if we've learned anything, Chris, I think some teams are not afraid to make moves. To get the guy that they want, period. Never so, at that point. and so now we shift to, to the Bucks and the Saints. And once again, I always say this every week that we talk about them. It, and me as a Falcons fan, it's super hard for me to talk about it. But I'm going to tell you, I rooted for Tampa because here's the reason. It had nothing to do with me liking you know Tom Brady or the Bucks. I despise the Saints more. Yeah. And I tell you and like you ask any Falcons fan, like true Falcons fan, they'll tell you, it was hard. Like we, we weren't wearing no pretty jerseys or no Mike Evans jerseys, but we were rooting for Tampa to win. Because we're like listen. This ain't personal, this is business. And because the Saints listen. All we've heard from the Saints are excuses. And if you're a Saints fan, you're listening, you know, thank you for taking time to listen. But the fact of the matter is, I went with Tampa, as you did. My reasoning was, and I said it, Drew Brees is not healthy, Chris. And it, and it sucked that that could be potentially Drew Brees' last game ever. He goes out. So three interceptions, not, you know, not, a, you know, not a lot of fans there, but what I will say after that game, and just in the same way that Lamar Jackson stayed after for the Buffalo fans, Tom Brady came back on the field to hang out with Drew Brees and his family. I don't know if you saw that.
1: Yeah, I, and I did. I, I was, I was going to bring that up and, uh, it's it's one of those things. Like I, I saw this meme. It's like when girls cried, and it was some stupid scene from like uh, Grey's Anatomy or some dumbass show. Uh, it said when boys cried, and it showed when uh, when when Tony Stark said like I'm Iron Man, and he snaps the Infinity Gauntlet and kills himself. And it's like then when football fans cried, and it showed Drew Brees like doing that look back to the 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 scoreboard <laughs> in the stadium as he was going in the <laughs> tunnel. <laughs> like I felt that man. Well, you know, because I was watching that game, and I um, I, I saw that, and you know, there was another thing that I don't know if you saw it because it 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 came and went, and no one has really talked about it. Is the sideline conversation between him and Winston? Uh, I, I I don't know. Did did, did you?
0: Yeah, I I did, I I did see that. I think that was that was a very interesting conversation. You know, because.
1: Like that's a that's all. And if, and for people that don't know what we're talking about, uh, there was a, a a quick glimpse where Breeze was talking to Winston on the sideline, and he said, "This is your team now." And yeah. as I, I, I you know I I, I mean if, naturally I don't know what it's like to be a starting NFL quarterback, but to be able to have a franchise that you've been on for you know up um, teen million years, and to to just be so dominant in the league and to know like this, this is your end and you're going out in such piss poor fashion to be able to turn and and, and tell a younger man that like, Hey, this is, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're the king of this castle now, you know, take care of it. So that, that had the sting, I think just a little bit in, in Breeze's heart, but you know, maybe we'll see, uh, uh, a revival of Winston's career now, you know, in in New Orleans, you know. But circling back to Breeze, and just the the moment that him and Brady shared on the field, I thought was was really cool. Is that those two have gone back and forth with each other over the years? When when back when Breeze was on on the Chargers and just giving him shit then, and then in New Orleans giving him shit, and for that like just to just to be on the field and then him throwing the ball to his kids and stuff like that. It was it was just a really touching moment. And then also for you stat fans, Drew Brees's kids had more receptions on the field than Michael Thomas did. Just uh just throwing it out there. Uh.
0: <laughs> keeping it classy as we always do.
1: You know, you know you know I was gonna have to rag on that. But yeah, it was it was it was a touching moment. I think that we saw the the end of Breeze's career, and I think he realizes that. I think he he kind he's coming to grips with it. I don't. He hasn't been as vocal as some other quarterbacks have, but I I think we'll be getting that announcement. I don't see him coming back next season. I, he him out there again, circling back to to the Marvel uh, analogies. It just like when Captain America was just getting the outright shit beat out of him, and he's like, I could do this all day, and he stands back up that was breeze just out there just trying he knew i think deep inside before that game even kicked off he knew he shouldn't have been on that field but he's like you know what this is what i get paid for these fans support me i've i've got kids looking up to me all around the country i need to go out there and and do my job and i mean hats off to him for trying it's it, it was a hell of a, a career if he uh, if he does part ways but we'll see what happens uh, you know tom brady did get the best of him and even though i was pulling for tampa uh statistically and analytically i was i was watching the game rooting for him and as much as it pains me to root for tom brady cuz of just the absolute just disgust i i don't want to use the word disgust but we all know that i don't like him i think that point is clear
0: wait wait uh, wait a minute wait a minute I, I I thought you were the president of the Tom Brady fan club.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's right. yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm also the uh, the the treasurer of the Joe Biden fan club too. But uh, you know, it, it was it was a I, I definitely had to swallow some pride to to root for him. But you know what, Tampa is one of those organizations. It, it's it's a home. Living in Florida for so long, it, it's like a hometown team. Like I like I'm gonna root for him if they're gonna play the Jets. The Jets decided they weren't going to be in the playoffs uh, week one of the of the season, and I, I kind of was, you know. And I also like some of the players on the Bucks. I I I, I like uh, Mike Evans. I like you know uh, Godwin. Uh, you know Leonard Fournette. You know um, some of these guys. I had some of these cats on my fantasy team, and uh, it, it was it, it's cool to see them go. It's scary to see them at the same time because you know I. I criticized Tom Brady a lot in in his tenure in New England. He was a system quarterback and he was in a controlled environment. And you can make animals do things you want in a controlled environment. And he he doesn't have uh the the coaching ideology of uh, a Belichick. He he didn't have that perfect offensive line that never let him get hit you know and then also even with the referees I know that people get butt hurt when we talk about it but let's face it Tom Brady does get a a, a graze by on the referees they they call a lot of things on him that that they wouldn't call on a uh Dwayne Haskins or a uh a, a Lamar Jackson uh you know a, a a low a B level quarterback you know um I pr- I promise if uh Ryan Fitzpatrick was out there. Some of the calls for late hits and stuff, they they wouldn't throw the flag for Fitz before uh, before they they would do it for Brady. But yeah, it, it was it was just an interesting game to watch. It was it, it was it was a clash of the Titans, and I think now with Brady going to Green Bay, that's going to get even uglier. Tampa's got an immaculate defense. Green Bay's defense is outright shit, and both offenses are very high flying. Hardy boy, old school attitude era, jumping off ladders and the tables type uh, uh, o- offensive insanity. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: You know, uh, you know, one of the things Chris that you that you did talk about to, to stick with the wrestling theme. I think when you look at the books and the Packers game, it's very reminiscent of of of, the, of WrestleMania where it was Hulk Hogan versus The Rock. Two legends, two icons, and they're just going at it. And and mind you, at that point in their careers, especially Hogan, maybe didn't have many business in the ring, but but it was a great match because you knew Hulk Hogan was going to bring it and The Rock was going to bring it. So you can throw out the age of these quarterbacks. These quarterbacks, listen, Tom Brady's with hundred and three. Aaron Rodgers is what seventy four years old, and they're making and they're playing like they played when they're early on the league. They're making it look easy, Chris. Aaron Rodgers, the way he's playing, Chris, it shouldn't be that easy. This is why I said early on in the season. Like I said, I keep harping back. I said Aaron Rodgers. You know, it's it's just <laughs> the Green Bay's going to win that division because of Aaron Rodgers, because. Uh, the only quarterback I can trust in that division is Aaron Rodgers. We know how I feel about Kirk Kiss and Cousins. We know how I feel about Chicago. And the Lions, you know, listen, they really bit me, so we're not going to talk about them. So the point is, Aaron Rodgers still had, had something to prove at 37, the same way Tom Brady feels he had something to prove at four, you know, in his 40s. It's amazing to me, Chris. And here's the thing about Brady. You know, this is playoff Brady. You know, 32 wins. We know about the six Super Bowls, almost 12,000 passing yards and 77 passing touchdowns. And that's in his playoff career. Those are some, you know, those are some stats for some NFL players in their whole career. So, and, and that's just in his playoffs. And since the Bucs had their week 13 bye, the Bucs are 16 and 0, 16 touchdowns, and interception. Tom Brady, like I always say, it's what I say about any team in any sport. When you get toward the postseason, when you get toward December, 8, the good teams are going to start playing better. It's why I don't worry if they struggle early on. I don't worry because some of these teams are built to go to, to play. In the, they're just postseason built. Just like to go back to Harper on your reference about Lamar Jackson and the A-Rod comparison. Some dudes are built for the season. Some aren't built for the postseason. That's not a knock on, you know, the team's talent nor the individual talent. But Tom Brady has always been about the team. Listen, he just plays better. We learned this year that maybe Tom Brady was that that flex seal that held the New England Patriots together. He was flex seal. and, And trust me, Chris, when that flex seal went away, it was everywhere in New England.
1: I think everywhere. that's a very, uh, very honest, very honest point. It,
0: it was everywhere when, like you know, we learned that Tom Brady is more valuable than what we thought, and when you look on the other side of the field at Aaron Rodgers, you know, we have to understand that look, Aaron Rodgers. Yes, is he? He's a you know, he's he's he has eleven wins in the postseason since 2007. But what I will say about Aaron Rodgers is he's all, we've never had to worry about the play of Aaron Rodgers. Is is that some, he never had the chance to play at home because some of the teams, especially on the defensive side of the ball, weren't good enough. And he can only do so much. That's not an excuse. Those, those are just facts. So when I look at this matchup, Chris, when these two teams played in Tampa, listen, that was Aaron Rodgers' worst game of, of, of the season. That was like week six. That was the worst game Aaron Rodgers ever played all year. And that's why I say, don't worry about Green Bay. They're going to figure it out. And now they're playing each other again. This time it's in Lambeau. And one matchup that I think is important to talk about, and you talked about offense, is I want to talk about the Jair Alexander, the corner for the, for the Packers, versus Mike Evans. Now, in that first matchup he he was matched up against sixty percent of of the coverage snaps, and Mike Evans was held to no receptions and got one target. to me, Chris is going to come down to Green Bay's defense having to put it together
1: yeah they they're they're, they're going to have to step up insanely compared to what they've done the rest of the season
0: yeah and and I think. Because we know what Aaron Rodgers can do. We know what, you know, we, we we know and we know what Tampa's defense can do. But Tampa can give up some points too. We gotta remember that too. So but the key here is Chris, is that if they shut down Mike Evans, you know, it's gonna be Chris Godwin. Somebody else on Tampa has to step up. And it's not like Chris Chris Godwin can. Even A.B. can, Scotty Miller, like somebody has to step up if Green Bay learns from that week six loss. Because listen, they were sitting the house at Aaron Rodgers and they had no answers. So that's why I say sometimes, Chris, you got to throw away the tape. I think that's what you got to do. If you're Green Bay, throw away the tape, but keep the parts that you were bad at, fix it. And, and I think what you're going to see, and listen, Green Bay is still favored by three and a half. And there are two and we talked about this, there are certain quarterbacks I don't count against, and both of them are playing in this game. So this makes it to me very difficult to choose.
1: The one the one thing where I think that you, know, you talk about Mike Evans being shut down if if you know Green Bay's defense wakes up and does that. The one thing that I think is the 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 deal breaker the, the chair under the ring, the the secret stash, is one person that really hasn't been talked about a lot this season. The one person that Brady has won almost every single one of his Super Bowls with, and that would be Gronkowski. If all else fails, they could go—he could literally step into the huddle and say, line, guard me. Fournette." pick up the extra blitzer. I'm throwing the ball somewhere to Gronkowski. They don't even have to actually have a legitimate play to to, to use, but they still have that because of the chemistry that that is there. If all else fails and, and Green Bay's defense shows up, you start seeing uh, maybe they slow the run down with Rojo and Fournette, and they slow down those little bailout passes. They shut Mike Evans down, hold him to a reception or two. Um, Chris Godwin is out there with his butterfingers again. He's still got Gronkowski, and that is a scary person. All they've got to do is get it to the red zone, and and we know what, what a Brady-Gronkowski red zone offense looks like, and it 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 normally doesn't fall in the favor of the defense. And it, Aaron Rodgers has a lot of weapons. He's got MVS, and he's he's got Lazard, and he's got Jones, and he's got uh, Adams, but I don't think he has that that factor that x factor of of a gronkowski and not a lot of quarterbacks do um you know that big bodied tight end that can box somebody out like they're like they're in the paint in the key trying to grab a rebound uh or just that just that mental connection if you know you've played with somebody for so long you can there's literally physical cues it's like you're, you're sitting with your best friend. You can read their physical, their their body language, and know what they're feeling, or thinking, or sensing. And it's the same thing on the field. If you're playing with a, whether any sport, baseball, football, basketball, whatever. I remember, um, uh, you know, when I played baseball growing up, I, you know, I I caught a lot, and I also pitched. And one of my closest friends did the exact same thing. He pitched and caught, and we we were a dynamic duo because we could talk to each other literally without talking. And it just makes that dynamic so much better. And I think that Brady has that with Gronkowski. And that's why I give Tampa on on the edge of the of this one. And I, I think they will beat Green Bay at home.
0: You know, I, I am not going to disagree with any of your logic because I understand you're talking about the Gronk element. I, I'm not going to count that. You know, I'm not going to, you know, you know, say much about that because you covered it there. But what I will say is, Chris, is that when I look at this matchup, I just feel I look at two quarterbacks, like I mentioned, with something to prove. And, and it's, like I say, as much, you know, as I like Brady. Listen, I like Brady. I don't hate him. You know, listen, you know why? Uh, you know why I also picked him to win? I want to see one of those hype videos. And, he, you know, he he outdid himself on the last one, if you haven't seen it. But I, th- I think I tagged you on it on Instagram. Yes.
1: No, yeah, it was it, – It it was – it, it, was, it, was, it was amazing. I'll give it that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it made me forget, like, I should be, a, I'm a Falcons fan, right? It, it was that good. Great production value. He must have, you know, like, George Lucas doing that for him. He has enough money to do it. So, my biggest, my counterpoint to your grunt point is this. is, is that the chemistry is there, and that's great. But we also have to factor in, Chris, is that Green Bay understands that, too. It's that they understand that, okay, we know him and Gronk. There's that familiarity. There's, and, in, and, in, and in the NFL, especially the quarterback wide receiver element, sometimes defenses will know they'll target your number one guy. And to me, Gronk is unguardable as anybody. To me, him, Travis Kelsey, they're like very unguardable. They're like essentially they're, they're kind of like receivers without the speed. You know, they they just they just the matchup coverages aren't fair. There's no corner, there's no linebacker. You know, you would literally need a defensive end to guard one of those tight ends. And for the record, you're not gonna. You, I've never seen you know Aaron Donald go out there in coverage. Just throwing that out there. So, to me, Chris, I think that's going to be a fact. And I think Green Bay will allow it, Chris, because they know that we have Aaron Rodgers. And sometimes if you're Green Bay and the defense starts to go, you know, south is that you understand, you know, with, with Green Bay, listen, Aaron Rodgers is going to make plays like Tampa Bay's pass defense is 21st in the league. Like we don't, we talk about how great they're overall and they are, but when they're in coverage, Aaron Rodgers is going to find the person. I remember that throw he made versus the Dallas Cowboys. And I believe he... I think he threw it to Jared Cook, I believe. I can't re- recall. But he threw it right there on the edge of the sidelines. And I'm thinking, there's no way he's going to fit that ball in. And he kind of fit it in like in the corner pocket when you play pool. He fit it in just enough to get it in. So, you know, I'm going to... I'm going to stick to my guns. And for the edge, since Aaron Rodgers will be hosting Jeopardy soon, I'm going to go Green Bay. Ooh, so, alright I'm going to Green Bay, listen, you know, if Tom Brady wants to host host Jeopardy, listen, they didn't call Tom Brady to do it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not, you know, listen, Michigan or, you know, listen, we're not going to get into any of that. Maybe it's the fact that he he went to Michigan, and we know how I feel about Michigan. I don't know what it is. If I knew, then I'd certainly let you guys know. But speaking of, you know, letting you know, is is that I want to let you guys know something. is is that one of the things that we talk about a lot as we transition to baseball is we talk about the importance of, we talk about players and the importance in the NFL. But in baseball, it could equally, you know, has that same equal effect. And there was a a couple of moves that I saw that I liked. I know there's one that you most definitely like, Chris. And and it, it makes a difference. Because we talked about, you know, we kind of talked about what you talked about with Brady and Gronk. And I believe, you know, with certain players, there's just that certain connection and it's no longer going to be there. But I, I want to start with 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 George Springer for the Astros, Chris's second favorite baseball team. So <laughs> he won't he won't tell you that. He won't tell you that. He's a right. modest man. He, he's a modest man. He won't tell you that. But you know. But George Springer going to, you know, transitioning from the Astros to, you know, going up north to Toronto, you know, Kirby Yates, the relief pitcher, probably replacing Ken Giles as the closer. He's going to Toronto. You know, two of my Cubby guys, Schwarber and Lester, they're going to, to the Nationals. I I would go on a rant about that, but I, I refuse to because I'm going to get angry. I'm going to hulk up and I'm just not going to talk about you know you know those because I think you got to kind of peel that back and delve deeper but but one move I did like and then I liked the value that was given to him and was that the Corey the Cory Kluber signing you know get him on 1 year and 11 million dollars that's not bad that's not bad at all given that one of the things when you look at the Yankees rotation you're like you put Kluber in there it kind of makes it things interesting so I'll, I want to hear some of your thoughts on some of the MLB transactions. Some that you liked, some you didn't like, or anything in between.
1: Uh, you know that this this is one one topic. I I took a little bit of notes on, but I wasn't sure what we were gonna go. So honestly, you know this one. You know for once, I I don't I actually don't have much to say on it. Um, I know, which is I know a lot of people must find, you know, shocking on this, but you know. I, I prepared a lot on the uh, on the NFL side, and when it came to baseball, I, uh, I I I just I didn't I didn't put a ton together,
0: man. To be honest with you, you know I uh, that's that you know I was I think we're all shocked. I was kind of shocked, so we're all in shock. But you know I think because it's an NFL heavy show, and I want to sneak in some baseball in there and but what i will say is this so i'll just say take a little time if you know if given the floor we we use uh we use uh you know rules of order here on the podcast so what i will say is you know regarding lester and schwarber you know heading to the nats and then Quintana, heading back to joe madden back in anaheim it is that i was talking to a cubs fan and w- w- there are cubs fans listen uh, yeah There's the whole thing. And we talked about, but more specifically, this person talked about, listen, they're rebuilding, there's money hemorrhaging, and, you know, selling off. And then I started to listen, Chris. And then I realized, is is that at some point, and this may just be me, this may just be my whole spiel, and I could be completely wrong, but I will say this, that when you're in a major market, you know, I've never heard, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. I don't recall the last time that the New York Yankees ever rebuilding. You could correct me on that if I'm wrong.
1: You know, you're not, you're not, you're not wrong. I mean, it's it's one of those things that the when it comes to teams, big market teams, Red Sox, Yankees, uh, exactly, yeah, Dodgers, Dodgers, yeah. You know, they're not necessarily the the, the difference is is the Yankees are not afraid to spend money that's there. Um, mm-hmm. I think we talked about it when we talked about uh, the Mets. And they've got a pretty big budget, but they just don't spend and invest in the money. And now with new ownership, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, now they're going out there, they're getting aggressive, they're making moves. And and I think that's going to be the difference maker in that in that NL division next year. Um, you know, the, the circle, like with, with the Yankees signing, uh, Corey Kluber, um, it's an interesting move. I mean, number one, the Yankees are famous for signing older players, you know, look at uh, Andy Pettit, uh, Roger Clemens, uh, Mike Mussina. We tend to grab a lot of these guys, uh, you know, that, that are older in their career. We give them, uh, a modest contract and we see what happens. But, you know, we've got a situation in, with, uh, in New York with pitching. So your, your ace is naturally Garrett Cole. Um, and then we've still got, you know, Tanaka, Paxton, Hap. You know, uh, they're all off to free agency. And then you've got uh, Severino with a Tommy John injury and then uh, Domingo German. That's facing the the domestic violence issue, um, you know. So that's that's gonna be a situation there that hopefully gets gets sorted out. But we're, you know, we're we're looking at a, at a pitcher. The thing that the only thing that scares me with Kluber is that he's had in in the past two seasons. Do you know how many total games he's pitched? See if you can uh, see if you can try to bank. I'll give you an over and under a five.
0: Oh, okay, you say of oh, games pitched, starting yeah, start, pitch in the last start. two seasons. Okay, so I got to put my nerd math hat on here. 116, and then his an average is 20, 20, 25, 30. 30 starts doesn't feel right. I will say, and I could be completely wrong, I'm not going to say it's a whole lot. Because I'm I'm familiar with the injuries. I will say Yeah, that comes with it. I'm gonna say twenty seven.
1: Overshot by a little bit. Uh unfortunately this guy has pitched eight games in two
0: eight, Jesus.
1: Eight games. Um Jeez. he had a broken arm, an oblique injury, and a shoulder muscle tear that you know it's all in all in two seasons, so I'm worried about the reliability of him. Is he going to be able to go out and pitch, you know, in last twenty games a season as a starter and get out there and give us a, a solid six and a half, seven innings? Uh, it, it, you know, I hopefully we just didn't piss away eleven million dollars, but I'm not. I, I I don't know this one. I'm not. You know, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sold. I, th- this is this is just definitely a, a gamble that, you know, well, I guess we'll see what happens. I this that was honestly the only thing I really prepared for baseball just because I'm selfish and I like talking about the teams that I like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think and to kind of piggyback your point, you know, signing pitchers to me is always tricky. Like, when you sign players as, as a whole, it's always tricky. But when you sign pitchers, more specifically, you know, starting pitchers, you know, even relief pitchers. But when you look at their injury history, I remember that when the, the Yankees signed, I think, Kevin Brown to like a 100000000 something dollar contract. And he wasn't the healthiest. And, and once again, what I will say is this. Starting pitching is super hard to come by. And so good teams will stock up on it. Because, listen, like, look at the Padres. Like, Chris, look at the Padres, what they did this offseason. They went out and got Blake Snell, Hugh Darvish, and they traded and and got Joe Musgrave from Pittsburgh. Those are three good starting pitchers. So when there's something there of value, you got to go out there and get it. Because if you don't, like, starting pitching matters. Because as as great as we, we love offense, in the NFL, what are we all about? No one talks about the defense in the NFL. We talk about the offense. You know, as much as we, you know, we like to talk about Patrick Mahomes, you know, now a lot of people are talking about, you know, Aaron Donald. Because people are obsessed with offense. Even in the NBA, which you'll get to in a minute. It's all about points. Like, nobody can tell you, you know, about who's a great defensive player. Like, who can always score? And we look at Major League Baseball. You look at guys like Mike Trout. We talk about Mike Trout a lot. Bryce Harper. You don't really hear you know, starting pitchers talked about that, you know, maybe Clayton Kershaw, but, but to go back to my point to wrap up here is that when there's something of value and for the Yankees, this was a value signing because it's just for one year because of the reason that you just said, Chris, only pitching eight games the last two years, but they understand if they get a healthy Corey Kluber, Chris, you know, that $11 million is going to feel like a huge deal. Yeah. It's going to feel like, okay if we can get Corey Kluber, if we can get the kind of the Corey Kluber that we kind of know he was a couple of years ago, then then you're going to be fine. Because at the end of the day, Chris, to me, it's all about value, especially for starting pitching. It's all about value. So speaking of value, I want to talk about the NBA, something Chris may or may not want to talk about. I don't know. But but to kind of get toward the end of the show, I did want to talk about the NBA and I did want to talk about Kyrie Irving. You know, it's great. First of all, great to see him back. Great to see him back on the court. And what I want to talk about with 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 Kyrie Irving is obviously we're bringing in James Harden and then you obviously already have Kevin Durant. My question immediately became, Chris, what exactly is Kyrie Irving's role going to be? And if you ask other people in the NBA, it's like, well, he feels like the third guy. And I kind of feel the same way because here's the thing. He left Cleveland because he felt that he was, you know, he, he kind of felt that he was the second fiddle. He kind of felt that he was Ed McMahon to LeBron's Johnny Carson, or he kind of felt that, you know, LeBron was like Justin Timberlake. He was one of the guys in the back three That's what he kind of felt. He kind of felt like, you know, J.C. Shazay is one of those guys. He didn't feel important. So what happened? He goes to Boston. You know, a bunch of young guys like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. So surely you'll be the guy there. Didn't work. work. Jason Tatum actually kind of elevated to be the guy. So now, Chris, he goes to a, a situation in Brooklyn where maybe for the first time in his career he could be the face of a franchise. And then they, they go get Kevin Durant. And then, oh, by the way, they traded for James Harden. So now Kyrie on his third team, you know, he wants to be the guy. And for the record, Chris, I, I truly believe that Kyrie a very talented point guard. He is one of the best handles in the game. But here's the problem, Chris. Sometimes we have to understand the difference between what we want to be and who we really are if that makes any sense, it is it is what can we be versus what we really are. And, and the reality is that, I'll use an example. When Michael Jordan was drafted, how many people saw him being a leader? Like, just said, okay, that, that Jordan kid, that, that Jordan kid's going to be, he's going to be a star. He's going to win six championships. I think you and I can agree, Chris, that nobody saw that coming. I think Absolutely. you and I... So at some point, Michael Jordan knew he wanted to be the leader, the potential of what he wanted to be. He wanted to be the guy and he did become the guy and that's who he became. However, we look at Kyrie, Kyrie, listen, number one, high draft pick. You expect him to be the face of your of a franchise. And here we are. He feels like the third guy. And my whole theory is, is that, look, Kevin Love, same situation. Kevin Love, first-round pick, high draft pick for Minnesota, comes from being the guy in Minnesota to essentially being the third guy in Cleveland. They won a, he won a championship, though. So there's that. Chris Bosh, you could argue probably one of the best players in the history of the Toronto Raptors franchise. Then he leaves and he goes to Miami and kind of becomes the third guy. And so I believe, Chris, in this dynamic, not everybody, and think we kind of talk about in our pregame meeting, as we always have, is that some people, you have to have the personality and the ego to kind of step back. And this is one of the things where I look at a guy like Terrell Owens, where Terrell Owens always felt he was the number one receiver. And he wasn't wrong, Chris, most of the time. But the older he got, Chris, he felt like a second, even third receiver. But what happened is is that why did he get out of the league? Because his ego really superseded his talent at that point. And I don't care what field or industry you're in, when your ego becomes bigger than your talent, most of the time, Chris, you're not going to be in that industry. Because you're not bigger. When you become bigger than the industry, or you become bigger than what you think you are, you're not gonna have a job. And I think for Kyrie, Kyrie to me, I'm not gonna judge his personality, but Kyrie has to have that personality to look around and say, hey, look, I'm willing to be the third guy. Listen, for the record, they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers last night. So, so once again, Cleveland, you're getting mentioned twice. And I said good things, so that's my early, 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 early Christmas present to you. So so just remember this, you know, in 11 months. So the point is, Chris, is, is that Kyrie led the game in scoring. But it still doesn't change the fact that, you know, is he, does he want to be the face? Does he still want to be the face? And if he still wants to be the face, Chris, that's where the friction comes in. That's where the tension comes in. But if I guarantee you, you let KD be KD, let Harden be Harden. And for the record, Kyrie's the third best player out of those three. And I'll say, how do I know that? Because the other guy, KD has won a championship and is an MVP. And James Harden's an MVP in the league. Kyrie, very good, but he's the third guy. And sometimes we have to understand what we're capable of. Just like with Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler kept trying to tell people all along he, was, he, he wanted to be the guy. And guess what, Chris? He was right. How do I know he was right? Because look at what happened. Look at the Bulls now. The, the, they made them, they're not the Jordan Bulls, I'll tell you that much. And even when he went to Minnesota, had Carl Anthony Towns and had Andrew Wood. He, no, they didn't want it. Philly didn't want it. And he goes to Miami and he's the guy surrounded by young talent some people know who they are like i say some people know who they are and some people want to be it they know what they want to be but they're just not it and i guess that's my overriding message is, is that no matter what business or industry you're in i don't know if chris will agree is that understand your value because the company will give you what you think you're worth but understand this if what the company feels about you does not match what you think of yourself like if you think that well i'm the biggest thing in this whole company the company says well you're valuable don't get me wrong but we don't think you can even lead a department we think you can even lead a group of five people and you like and your ego kind of gets damaged it gets in you know it gets hurt and then we and we all know what happens Chris, when you get a hurt ego we all know gets, what
1: happens. It gets ugly. I, you know, I think we talked about this with Cleveland, uh, mm-hmm. with uh, with the Browns, is that when you have a lot of egos, you better have to, you better have them in check because if you don't, you are going to be in for a very, very long day. Um, yeah. and, and you you highlighted what I was going to touch on. You touched on the big three in Miami with D Wade and Bosh and LeBron. As, as much as I bag on LeBron, um, to me, I, 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 he's a, he's an incredible athlete. I'll never knock that. Uh, compare him to Jordan, absolutely not. Um, but the thing with LeBron is at least when he was in Miami, he knew his place in the pecking order. He knew where he fell in line. Yes, And that was behind D-Wade. That was D-Wade's team. Yeah. As big yep. as a star as Chris Boss was. Uh, he came from, what, the the Raptors, right? yep oh uh, you know as, as big as a star as he was up there he came and understood where he fell in place and that was that number three role you look at the big three in boston that won multiple uh and nba titles with paul pierce and ray allen and and kevin garnett they all knew where they belonged uh the the Lakers with with Kobe and Shaq and uh, uh, and Fisher or Horry or you know whoever you would consider that third wheel, um, or even we'll we'll rewind it back a little bit more to the you know we talked about the Bulls with the Bulls with Jordan and Pippen and Rodman, arguably either one of those guys Pippen or uh, Rodman could have ran a team of their own. I I, I don't think that there's any uh any discontent with that uh, you know Pippen proved it when Jordan left he led the bulls in scoring he 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 took over that team and one of the most profound things that that he did is even you know, and 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 you know naturally we didn't see these things as as children you know when 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 this was happening cuz we just didn't understand it but we see it now even with all of the arguing and hatred and I'll even use the word hatred that Pippen had for the Bulls management or in the organization for them dicking him on contracts. When Jordan came back, he immediately fell into the second chair and understood that that was Jordan's team. And to circle with Kyrie, he's bounced around the league. He he didn't like it in uh, in Cleveland. He didn't like it. It was in Boston, if I if memory serves me right. Correct. Yeah, correct. Okay. And then so he comes to Brooklyn, and you know now you've got KD and, uh, and Harden. Sorry, I had a brain fart there. And he he's got to figure out. And see, also the other thing is, is wanting to be the number one guy and then having the capability to be that number one guy are two very different things that people don't usually coincide one another and you look at a band or you you know the i i, I you know like honestly i think one of my all-time favorite bands growing up into this day is blink 182 now travis barker i think is the most musically talented of blink 182 because of what he can do on a drum set is just phenomenal i'm not discounting Mark or Tom or any other you know present or, or past member of Blink One Eighty Two, but Mark had the the stage like the showmanship. He was able to really get out there and lead. And being great and leading are two very different uh, you know things to do. And if you want to be the man, you have to act like the man twenty four seven. You have to have. The ability to be that front man, to hold that front man position, and then also lead, direct, and guide from the front position. I personally don't know. Is I mean, I I I, I don't watch all eighty games a year of the NBA. I'll be. You know, I think we all know that. I know enough to get by, but the the, the leadership on the court, I think, from Harden and KD, uh, I think. I think overpowers what Kyrie is. And I think Kyrie might need to understand just because you want to be the, the center stage attraction doesn't mean you really can be, if that makes any sense. So I think he might need to neither find his place in, in, in the Brooklyn organization and accept it and then be that team player because that third member is just as important as, as the first or, or the second I I don't think Jordan would have got those other three championships if he didn't have Pippen watching his back twenty four seven, or Pippen making those passes when Jordan's sitting, you know, outside the paint waiting to drop a three on him. Or he wouldn't have won as many games with Rodman not up there banging backboards and 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 grabbing all those rebounds to feed Jordan the ball. So it's definitely a a three person. situation that I think all of them have to 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 communicate and play. And if they don't if they can't coincide in their little universe, it's it's bent for disaster. so uh, we'll we'll see what happens. I, I, I based on everything I've seen with Kyrie, I don't have too much faith in that ability. I hate saying that, but uh, history tends to repeat itself.
0: yeah, and and before we wrap on uh, to wrap up the show, one of the things, Chris, that I think is is very important to understand, and and you mentioned the point that especially when you were talking about the Bulls teams with Jordan and Pippen and, and Rodman. Now, do I believe Rodman could run a team by himself? I don't necessarily think so, but I, I know Pippen can because we've seen it when Jordan went out, he led, like you say, he led the team in score. But what I will say is this: at the end of the day. The success of your business or your company supersedes your feelings. Because at the end of the day, I always feel, to go back to wrestling, you know, we talk about Ric Flair. Ric Flair was in a stable, the Four Horsemen, arguably probably one of the greatest stables in wrestling period. And Ric Ric Flair was the face of the Four Horsemen.
1: Woo! Sorry, I had to get
0: that out of me. Yeah, no, I, I guess I did that just for that. So we got that in. So... And one of the things is that, you know, guys like Tully Blanchard, you could argue Arn Anderson, like <sighs> Ole Anderson, you know, any one of them could have said, you know, Rick's not the face. But they just said hey, Rick face, you know, Rick Flair is the face. Just like he used the Blink-182 example. Mark Hoppus, listen, Travis Barker is, is super talented, And you would argue, like, okay, maybe he should be. But guess what? Mark Hoppus brought the element needed to be a lead singer. You have to be out there. You got to be, you got to have that, you know, pizzazz. That certain je ne sais quoi. I wanted to flash my French out there, so I got that into So the point is, is that we can use example by example, but the fact of the matter is, you have to be willing to put your ego to the side for the band because when, guess what happens? When the band or the team or the company wins, you win too. It doesn't matter, you know, who did, you know, what role. You know, at the end of the day, it mattered if you had a role in it. And yeah, you you sacrifice for the team. And at the end of the day, that's what matters to success. And you have to be willing to have the personality to do so. And some can. not and history, and history has shown us that's why certain empires have collapsed. That's why certain teams have not been successful. It's because the person leading it or the person coming in was not willing to sacrifice. They thought it's all about me, so I could care less. So... So at the end of the day, you know, I, hopefully Kyrie gets the point or it's not going to work out. It's going to be, you know, a tough year for Steve Nash in his first year as a head coach in the league. So, but any, I have a final thought, but Chris, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up the episode?
1: Yeah. I wanted to real quick touch on the UFC, uh, real quick. I know that's, I know that's something that doesn't get a lot of love on this show, even though I'm a pretty habitual watcher of it. Um, yeah.
0: That's, that's I on you, not on me. That's on you. I, I wanted,
1: yeah. You know, did Did you watch any of the fights last week on ABC?
0: Uh I might have caught a couple of minutes of it, but I like I said, I was kind of in and out. So, so
1: the 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 main event was Max Holloway versus Calvin Kattar. Honestly, I think I saw the fight of the year less than twenty days into the year. I have never seen a display of those two guys. The heart, the tenacity, the toughness, and just the abuse that I saw in that octagon. Max Holloway was on a whole other level. He looked like a character on Mortal Kombat. When you're there just button mashing your your opponent into just outright obliteration. He So, number one... He threw in a fight an average strike, you know, strike count in a fight is anywhere between, I want to say about 220 to 305, I think is like the average. He threw a total of 746 strikes. It was a five round bout. And for you guys that don't follow UFC 100%, uh, each round's five minutes. So you've got a total of 25 minutes. He threw 746 strikes. But landed 447 total, and 445 of them were considered significant by the referees. He was landing at a rate of 59.9% striking. That's punches, kicks, elbows, knees, throwing a body part at somebody. Uh, Calvin Qatar only threw. He hit the average. He was at a, uh, his total strike count was at 280 uh, 284 laning only 134. So he was a a little shy with a a 47% strike uh, percentage. But the damage that, that Max Holloway did was just outright phenomenal. I, I I honestly, I can't think of another word to to say he put on a clinic that every single person in that weight division and the featherweight, they need to watch themselves. That man, was just as energized when the bell rung on the first round when the bell rang to end the fifth round and it was to the point at the end he was screaming at D.C. Cormier, you know the UFC Hall of Famer, former lightweight and heavyweight champion that turned announcer, screaming at him on the side uh, through the cage, telling him to get a better fight and he's the man. Literally screaming at his opponent, dancing and show, just embarrassing this guy. Now I'm normally not one for showboating. When you're that far ahead on the card, uh, I, I don't think it cares. You know you definitely need to watch out for the knockout, but. He he just had Calvin beat in, in cardio and striking in, in in groundwork. He came very prepared for that fight. So I just I wanted to give a huge, huge shout out to Holloway. The 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 heart and just the, the will to fight in that fight. And I think he definitely landed himself a big fight in the upcoming future. And then fast forwarding to this weekend is this weekend we're getting one hell of a card with uh, Conor McGregor's coming back in the ring versus uh, uh, Dustin Poirier. So this, they've already fought once. Conor McGregor ended him quick fast and in a hurry. So Dustin Poirier has a little bit of a revenge game onto him. But I think that we have seen a different Conor McGregor his past two fights. Even this fight. So the Conor McGregor that we used to know. Would be up on stage. Just shit talking his, his opponents. Just getting inside their head. He was living rent free in these people's heads. For weeks at a time. He even took it to such an extreme. Look at the Mayweather fight. The man went on stage. With a book and threw it at him. And told him because he knew he couldn't read it. In a pinstriped fuck you suit. You can't get any... More mentally, just out there than that, and he did it with a smile on his face. Now he literally shook the hands of his opponent, not once but twice on the official picture after post weigh-in and things like that. And it, it, it's 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 insane. It it is outright insane. The the I think the mental level that that McGregor is out on right now. I think that's going to be a hell of a fight. I'm literally buying that card. Even if that's the only fight I watch, that's worth the 60 bucks. I, I think this is going to be a show. You've got one guy who who's already lost that has to come back and prove something. And then you've got McGregor, who's this reinvented McGregor that's trying to go out and go get that title shot and get some gold back around his waist. So I'm definitely hyped for that. So if you get a chance, check out ESPN Plus uh, uh, Saturday. It's going to be a hell of a fight. And then once again, shout out to Max Holloway and just the utter destruction that, that he created in the, uh, in the Octagon on Saturday. And that's all I got.
0: And, and, you know, I think it's a great bet to look forward to. And uh, if, if you gave me a choice, you know, I kind of feel like Conor McGregor is kind of like Aaron Rodgers. He's got something to prove. And, and I like guys who have something to prove. But poor ah, Jesus, always with these tough decisions. But only if there was a job tougher than this. I don't know. I can't think of off <laughs> the top of my head. But but what I will say, I expect a great match. And if you gave me a choice today, I would probably lean toward McGregor. Because I feel that McGregor understands the importance of this fight. And I just feel he has you know, Poirier has something to prove too, but I feel that McGregor has a little bit more to prove. What he has to prove is more to do with, like I say, with Aaron Rodgers. It's people like us. Like people who may critique him. And, you know, you know, especially after that Mayweather, you know, Mayweather fight, have our questions and stuff like that, his personality, he's too big. I think that's what Conor McGregor that's why I kind of semi-root for him for that, to kind of stick it to certain people. But
1: I, I think I mean I'm right there with you. I'm pulling from McGregor. I because like I said, he he has to reinvent himself. He got in all that trouble with him throwing a chair at somebody and just his, his mm-hmm. attitude finally caught up with him. He yeah. has to show that not only can he be an elite money making fighter for Dana White, but he can also act like a civilized human being and not like a complete shit show when he's outside the octagon. So I think he has to uh, reinvent himself. And I think that he will uh he's in the process of doing that and I definitely think he's he's definitely aiming for some gold. So I'm 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 definitely hyped that I, I think it's also gonna be an early finish. I think he's gonna do the same thing he did before, come out and just wail on him like no one has, and it's gonna be a quick in and out fight.
0: Yeah, and I, I think and that that's why I kind of lean toward McGregor. I think what like you say, he just has something to prove. And I think when well, people have something to prove, and more importantly, they understand that if they screw up the opportunity, that that may be it. I think McGregor's that type of guy. I think he understands that if he loses, I'm not saying his career is over, Chris. I'm not going to say it's just going to be increasingly him. difficult. Exactly. That's my point, is that hit the nail on the head. I don't think his career is over, but it's going to be an uphill, uphill climb to get back. And, and speaking of back, we'll be back next week on the next episode of the Sports in the World podcast. To, to stay with us and to follow us on social media, go to at Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at, at Ladaris underscore Brown on Instagram at TheBigNerd77. And check us out on Facebook, you know, at Sports in the World, both on our group and our page to check out new content. You know, check out the most recent article that was written for the podcast, and also I dropped a little teaser, a four-player teaser, on there to you, for you guys to kind of solve over the weekend, or to solve out. I'll give out hints out periodically. You know, keep the brain, you know, keep the brain going and whatnot. So. So I know Chris you I think you I think did you take a look at what I had posted on the uh, I yeah
1: I I did I took two guesses and I was wrong on both so I'm going to have to really sit down and think about it maybe I'll come up with some answers next week
0: and w- what I will say and and what I will leave is this I will leave a hint before we close I if you those who don't know I posted a player A player B player C player D so these are all four quarterbacks past and present I won't say how many of them the past or how many in the present but what the, one cl- the one hint I will give you Is that three of the four quarterbacks Played at least 15 years in the league They played at least 15 years in the league So when you look at the list Just rank them Just rank them based on the stats you see And, and it's an interesting experience That we'll talk about on the back end Once we figure that out Well, until then Until we get into their tech game, we hear your, we you hear our voice again. And next week, I'm Madarius. and I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and more importantly, be safe for all of you here at the sports and the World Podcast. See you.